0: We're coming out the tunnel on College Football Live with questions rising surrounding who we will see at quarterback for Utah in their opener tomorrow against Florida. Pete Thamel here with the very latest on that situation. The Thursday night light's going to be bright for that game. It's not the only game, though. We'll tell you what else you need to watch for tomorrow night. And throughout the weekend, we're going to get to see some coaches in new places who is primed for a big debut this weekend. It is all coming up here on College Football Live. Welcome into College Football Live. Kelsey Riggs with you, and I've got a crew with me here today. We've got Pete Thamel. We've got Sam Macho. We've got Tom Luganville, and we have got a lot to get to because week one is just one day away from it all getting started, guys. And we start with the big story that everyone's following right now, and that is that Utah quarterback, Cam Rising. What is his status heading into this game tomorrow night against Florida? He, of course, tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl in January, and his head coach, Kyle Whittingham, has been tight-lipped about his status thus far. We did see him on the depth chart, but for more on this developing story, we go to our Pete Thamel. And Pete, what can you tell us about what you've heard and who we will see at quarterback, his status for tomorrow?
1: Kelsey, uh, Cam Rising, the starting quarterback for Utah, is doubtful for the game tomorrow night and not expected to play. Uh, sources told me last night that Bryson Barnes, the junior who had one start last year, a victory at Washington State, and then came in for rising in the Rose Bowl after he tore his ACL, will get the look as the starting quarterback for the Utes. We will, Kelsey, also see some of Nate Johnson. The one thing Kyle Whittingham was not vague about this week was that the young quarterback who gives them a wildcat look and a little bit of diamondism from the position will play no matter who the starter is. it looks like Barnes will be the primary quarterback with Nate Johnson filling in some snaps to give them some different looks from under center.
0: All right, so doubtful for Cam Rising for tomorrow. Pete, we'll have more with you in just a little while. But right now let's bring back in Sam and Lukes to get their thoughts on this because things change a lot when you don't have him playing under center for you. Sam, what are your expectations for what this team looks like without Cam Rising?
2: Well, this is a week one game, and historically we've seen Utah struggle early, whether Cam Rising is or isn't playing. Over the last several years, even last year, they lost their week one game but went on to go and win a Pac-12 championship. So Cam Rising is the heartbeat of this team. Without him, you're going to see some of this struggle early, right? Like this team is a physical, tough football team, but they're also – a they also can – can start off with some early season losses. And so my concern rises as Cam Rising isn't playing.
1: Luke?
3: You know, Sam, I'll tell you what. I, I think that the, if there's a silver lining here, yes, you're going to miss his experience, his competitive temperament, his toughness. Oh, by the way, his 500 yards rushing on the ground. But if you're Bryson Barnes, if you're Nate Johnson, you are really surrounded by a good group. Jaquindon Jackson at the running back spot, Brant Keithy at tight end, Money Parks, Devon Bailey, a largely intact offensive line and a loaded defense, right? Step into that huddle, get out of a bad play into the right play, get the hands into the playmakers. And by the way, if you haven't seen Nate Johnson, might be the fastest player on their team. He's an absolute jet. Um, He is the future quarterback, in my opinion, for them. And so, That's maybe how they compensate for not having Cam Rising's legs with some wildcat packages with Nate
1: Johnson.
0: Lugz, I want to talk a little bit more about both of these quarterbacks because as we heard Pete say, we will very likely see both of them, Bryson and Nate. And and Coach Whittingham talked this offseason about the race between the two of them. It is Bryson, but what Nate has done. What looks different for these guys? Obviously coming in, they've got just one start between the two of them heading into a big Thursday night game. What's important right out the gate?
3: Uh, It's important that they stay ahead of the chains and that you get either quarterback and if it's Bryson Barnes that starts, you get him confident early, which means maybe you move the pocket and get him flushed. and and get away from maybe pressure. You get the ball out of his hand quickly, get into the hands of a playmaker, and move the chains early so that you gain some confidence, right? You want to avoid the three and outs. You want to avoid maybe some real difficult throws early and ease him and work him into it because the one thing that could change here if you're Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, you might not put as much on Bryson Barnes' plate that you would put on Cam Rising. So I, I do think that it is about confidence early and making sure you get off to a hot start.
0: So Florida, no doubt, game planning for all three of these quarterbacks just in case to see what they actually get tomorrow. On the other side of things, let's flip over and talk about what we're going to see from Florida's quarterback because it does look different at that position for them this year. Former Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz is in this offense now. We'll get to see him for the first time. Big shoes to fill as Anthony Richardson has moved on. So, Lukes, back to you one more time first here. And what questions do you have about Graham Mertz as we get ready to see him in this Florida offense for the first time?
3: for all of Anthony Richardson's talent last year, and we all know what a spectacular athlete he is, you know, it gets glossed over that he completed 53% of his passes. So you look at Graham Mertz and while he's not going to bring all of those athletic gifts, he is a 60% career passer. And I know he's been up and down, particularly when it comes to turnovers, but if they can just get some more consistency in the passing game from a completion percentage uh, standpoint, I think they'll be better on offense. Um, The skill around uh, Graham Mertz, I think the skill, maybe not the running back, maybe not the people up front, but the skill probably are going to be a little bit more faster and a little bit more explosive at Florida than what he had, Sam, at Wisconsin, and maybe that can help upgrade his game.
2: Yeah, and you're right about upgrading the game, Lugs. but the issue I still have concern with that we can't gloss over are the turnovers. Ten interceptions last year, even earlier in his career, there were six or seven lost fumbles, and so you have over 20 picks over the last few years. That's where my concerns lie with Graham Mertz. I understand that he has a significant number of starts under his belt. That's why Billy Napier is excited about him. But at the end of the day, you're the quarterback. The ball is in your hands on every single snap. So if you're throwing pick sixes or or fumbling the ball away, it's going to be extremely costly to your team, especially when you're playing a defense as effective and as efficient as a Utah Utes.
0: Graham Mertz wasn't there last year, but it was a good one between these two teams. Florida edged out Utah 29-26. We'll see what it looks like. Also, Utah has got a 14-game home win streak going right now. We'll see what happens with that. But some more quarterback news now from the conference that Graham Mertz used to play in. Big Ten quarterback shakeup as former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara is now at Iowa. The Hawkeyes face Utah State this weekend, but some question marks now surrounding the quarterback spot there are emerging. So, Pete Thamel back with us now. And Pete, what can you tell us about Cade McNamara.
1: Yeah, Kelsey, a little bit of good news out of Iowa. Spoke to some sources this morning, and the prevailing thought is as of today, there's an expectation that Cade McNamara will go. He suffered a quad injury in practice about two weeks ago. Uh, he has an extremely high competitive level and an extremely high pain threshold. The thought is that he can go, probably won't run him very much, probably play pretty conservative and limited, which is the way Iowa likes to play anyway. Uh, the strength of Iowa's offense is it's two tight ends, so expect a ton of 12 personnel. And expect Cade McNamara to go as of right now, but to be slightly limited. They obviously have a trip to Iowa State next week. They go to Penn State September 23rd. So the coaching staff's going to look to the big picture as well as getting the win against Utah State on Saturday.
0: And a couple of extra days for him as they don't actually play until Saturday, as you mentioned. So good news there for Iowa. Still to come here on College Football Live, which new head coach is primed to rule college football this season? We're diving into what year one will look like for some of the familiar faces in new places.
2: A kickoff rematch. A cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah, Thursday at 8 on ESPN.
0: Looking forward to that game, it is not the only one we have coming your way on Thursday night, though. Here's a look at the rest of the action coming up. You can catch Elon at Wake Forest over on ACC Network, and South Dakota State opens its season at Missouri 8 Eastern on SEC Network. So, Sam and Lukes, we already hit on Florida-Utah. We know that that is going to be a big one, obviously, with everything going on with Cam rising and changes at quarterback for Florida. But, Lukes, give me one other thing besides that game that you're looking forward to – keying in on and trying to learn from Thursday night football.
3: Seeing if we see the 2021 version of Brennan Armstrong, now that he's reunited with offensive coordinator Robert and I at, at NC State and you go back to the 2020 and 2021 season and Brennan Armstrong was lights out. And this is a team that is going to be really good on defense. Um, there was a time over the summer where Vegas had him at six and a half and they pulled it off the board. Um, I think they have an opportunity to be uh, a a dark horse in the ACC.
2: I couldn't be more excited to watch. What does Wake Forest look like without Sam Hartman? Last week was week zero. We were all wondering what would Sam Hartman look like outside of that Wake Forest offense? Now we get a chance to see the alternative. What will Wake Forest look like in the Dave Clawson? claw fence that slow mesh, will it be the same will it be different what receivers will step up we know many of their receivers are now in the NFL and so I want to see will it be as high powered as they were before or was Sam Hartman the main reason for their success
0: they don't have Sam anymore and they do still have the same offense but what I'm hearing guys is they want to call it now space and pace and hang and bang not slow mesh. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know. That's just what we heard. That's what they said. Hey, it sounds a little more exciting. We'll see what it actually looks like with Mitch Griffiths at quarterback and no Sam Hartman. Those are some games that you'll see on Thursday night, and we'll also see some new head coaches throughout the weekend making their game with their new programs. Hugh Freeze taking over at Auburn after the Tigers posted back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 1998-99. He's the only active SEC coach to defeat Nick Saban and Alabama multiple times, and Maybe the splashiest coaching change of the summer, Coach Prime. Deion Sanders taking over at Colorado. He brings his winning ways with 26 wins and three seasons at Jackson State and some high-profile transfers. How about Luke Fickle taking over at Wisconsin after a successful tenure at Cincinnati over the last five seasons? Fickle has won 54 games with the Bearcats tied for the fourth most in FBS. And sticking with the Big Ten, we turn to Nebraska where Matt Rule has returned to college ball. Help turn things around at Temple as well as at Baylor, and I'll look to do the same with the Cornhuskers who haven't had a winning season since 2016. So, Nebraska is one of the teams that is in action as well tomorrow night, taking on Minnesota. So, Sam, can Matt Rule do it again and turn this program around at Nebraska?
2: I'll need to see it to believe it. Why do I say that, Kelsey? The reason I say that is not because of the turnaround at Temple, nor because of the turnaround at Baylor. But my memory is more recent. I think more about what happened in Carolina with the NFL team, the Carolina Panthers. He was 5-11 one year, another five-win season the next. And then after five games, he got relieved of his duty. So if I'm a college athlete, if I'm a guy who's at Nebraska maybe got recruited by Matt Rule. I may not remember what happened way back when at Temple or about 10 or however many years ago at Baylor. I'm thinking, man, the last time I saw you, you were getting fired from an NFL team. And so there could be that piece for some of the players if things start to go south and that could delay the acceleration of this turnaround.
3: So basically, Sam, you're saying they're going to win five.
2: That's the magic
3: number <laughs> there for, <you> go. <laughs> for, for Matt Rule. You're, you're all set. It's, it's, it's taken care of. Um, Listen, I, this is such a storied and historic program, right? But we are in a different era now. And with name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, and magnificent resources that Nebraska has, that's all fine and dandy. But the biggest challenge with this program is in recruiting, not their ability to recruit. It's proximity to players. Now, you take a look at the bordering states, the six states around Nebraska, right? there's only 13 players in all those states combined, in the ESPN 300, zero five 5 stars, only one of them currently committed right now to Nebraska. Now, that's just guys in the ESPN 300, but if we're talking about elite-level players, right, and you want to be a championship-level program, you're going to have to start signing a lot of those guys, which means they got to go two states, three states, four states over to go into other people's backyards. I think that's a challenge for any coaching staff, not, not just uh, Matt Rule and his staff currently at Nebraska, but it does provide some challenges. Not saying it can't be done, but it hasn't been done yet.
0: Well, and we know in this age of college football it is not just recruiting new players, it's recruiting transfers as well, and that's what they got at quarterback. So, Sam, what do you think about what we're going to see from Jeff Jeff Sims coming in and trying to play quarterback now at Nebraska for this offense?
2: Well, Kelsey, I love your point because, yes, it's recruiting transfers, but you also have to re-recruit your current roster as well. Yeah. I'm excited about what Jeff Sims is going to bring from Georgia Tech. Why? If you just listen to some of the, pe- the way people talk about Jeff Sims, there is an excitement about, yes, his athleticism, but also his arm. You go watch the tape, you do see inaccuracies, But I go back to a guy like Jaden Daniels back when he was at Arizona State. You saw a little bit of up and down, then he transferred to LSU, and all of a sudden it clicked. Maybe, just maybe, we can have that same type of click, that same type of transformation that you saw with Jaden Daniels, you may see in Jeff Sims, because it's not necessarily a piece about your talent or athleticism. It's about what's up here, and I think he's got it.
0: We're going to get to see that game tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, as they take on Minnesota. And, Luke's, you're talking about recruiting, and one of the states that is landlocked around there, Colorado, as well. We know Deion Sanders never has any trouble recruiting. Uh, He was able to do it at Jackson State, (coughs) and now he has brought a whole host of new guys over with him as well. We're going to get to see his Power 5 coaching debut this weekend. He was asked about that in his thoughts. Take a listen.
2: It's not about me. And you're talking about a big stage. I think I played in the Super Bowl and the World Series. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> i'm good i'm straight this is about the kids man i want them to uh go out there and maximize the moment and take advantage of the exposure and the light that they have and i feel like they will 100
0: percent. luke's you want that to be the focus no doubt when you're coming in and taking over a program but what's your reaction to what we're seeing and hearing so far from coach prime
3: Well, it's all energy. It's all positive. It's all upbeat, and it should be, right? He he wants to instill that in his football team, but I I, I still think there are challenges within this roster. Did they upgrade at multiple spots? Absolutely, all right? Not only did they do it at quarterback, but they have two future probably NFL guys at corner. Uh, They did a nice job with Alton McCastle coming over from Houston. Um, Dylan Edwards in recruiting is an absolute jet. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. But the question is... How about the positional depth that you have to have to get through a season, right? Because we can talk about all the transfer guys, all right? And there are upgrades amongst those transfer guys. But you're going to need the guys that you took from Maine, Old Dominion, uh, Robert Morris, Kent State, uh, Northwestern State, some of these other smaller schools. You're going to need them to come in and be a factor because they have to be a part of this roster. So I still think it's... Two to three years of recruiting cycles, not necessarily the portal, in the high school level, because he'll recruit well at the high school level. But I don't know if there's an attainable expectation level that's being laid out right now at Colorado.
0: Can we put that graphic back up? Because, Sam, I want to go back to that. You, You spoke to it a little bit there, Lugs, but also 86 new players on the roster. The most since the Porter era began and 53 transfers. Sam, the other thing that we heard from Coach Prime was about how it's not just about the culture. It's not just about the chemistry. You have to have good players, and that is his focus. What is your thoughts having all of these new faces and trying to bring them together and win football games for a team that last year just won one?
2: I couldn't be more excited, Kelsey. And the reason why isn't some pie-in-the-sky idea, I go back to this time last year thinking about a team by the name of USC. USC last year had over 42 new transfers on their team. USC struggled the year before. Now, mind you, they don't have – Colorado didn't have Caleb Williams, but there was this question of, man, USC doesn't have a lot of depth, and that that defensive line, they really struggled, and their defense did perform poorly. But for whatever reason, maybe it was a plus-22 turnover margin, maybe it was a Heisman Trophy quarterback winner, but they got a chance to excel and exceed expectations even playing in a Pac-12 championship game. I'm not saying that Colorado's going to go play in a Pac-12 championship game right now, what I am saying is that for the people that are saying, well, they'll be lucky to get three wins, or you know, that's the team that we're expecting, I think there may be more to this Colorado team than meets the eye because of Deion Sanders' coach prime. He understands how to win, and he understands culture, I think he's bringing that to Colorado.
3: Yeah, the, the question for me is wh- where are those wins? Um, is it Colorado State, right? Is, is it potentially Stanford? Um, could they go on the road and beat Arizona State at Tempe? But – the road games are the problem. They got the, uh, Coach Prime in Colorado was not dealt uh, a great deck of cards when it comes to uh, the schedule. So they're going to have to go out and probably in most instances will be outmanned roster wise, especially when it comes to death. Right. So that's how do you get through the gauntlet throughout the entire year of year one? That's what's going to be fascinating to watch.
0: And they start things off, you mentioned some of those road games, on the road at number 17, TCU, not going to be an easy environment. Maybe we'll have more on that environment in a little because Sam Acho has been talking a little bit about that game. We'll get to that in just a <clears throat> bit. But first, we've got more to get to on the other side of this break. Pete Thamel will be back with us, and we're talking ACC expansion. The talks are back on the table as he has reported throughout the last couple of weeks. When will we know the future of the ACC and Cal and Stanford and SMU? keep back with the latest.
3: Back action on the field, a season ready to erupt
0: and have a few This is what college football is supposed to be. Can't wait for that. And before we say goodbye, let's go a little three and out. One question for each of you, and then we are out of here. Pete I'll coming to you first. And where do we stand on the ACC expansion talks?
1: I was told this morning, status quo, holding pattern, those are, those are the terms right now, Kelsey, to, to reset for the people that haven't been following closely. Cal, Stanford, SMU are on the table. The ACC still needs one vote from the four dissenters. Uh, this likely would have been decided by now, except there, was a, uh, except there was obviously a tragedy at North Carolina Monday night that postponed the president's call. There still has not been one rescheduled, so we will wait.
0: We will continue to keep an eye on that throughout the week. Lugz, let's go three and out with you. And give me an impact freshman you got your eye on this year.
3: I think it's going to be Cedric Baxter for the Texas Longhorns. They've got to replace, of course, Bijan Robinson, but also Roshan Johnson. This is a big bell cow type back that can really carry the load. We saw what Zachariah Branch did last week for SC, Jaden Greathouse for Notre Dame. I think you're going to see the Longhorns really lean on this freshman. He's got a chance to be really
0: good. Can't wait to keep an eye on what he does this year. And Sam, before we go to your three and out, I got something special for you because we know Pete's going to be at Game Day this weekend. We know Lugs will see you at Clemson-Duke. I'm hopping all around the ACC to four or five games in four days. Sam, you're not in the studio, and I heard you might be doing something special. So let me show you what we got as you tell me. Is that what you're going to be, Sam? Oh,
2: let's go. (laughs) So, sources tell me that I might be (laughs) right behind Coach Prime at the Colorado (laughs) TCU game. Right, My sources reached out to one of the uh, associate athletic directors at TCU trying to hook something up, and sources tell me as well that that might be a real actual picture in about three or four days, not Photoshopped. We're just trying to will it into happening.
0: You know, you said you wanted to be there, so I'm like, can we Photoshop him there? Let's try and make it happen. That's a
3: bad Photoshop, man. You got more muscles
2: than that. (laughs) No, I don't need the muscles, man. Just give me the sideline access and I'm Gucci. Your last
0: weekend to get to see it up Close and personal because Sam, of course, will be in studio for ESPN all college football season long. We will be all over the place. Week one is coming. We will see you back here same time tomorrow. (laughs) Let's
2: go. Y'all are awesome. I can't wait. It'll be real soon.